When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to an emergency Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Amari Cooper is a Cleveland Brown. Doug Marie, Scott Pascoe, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Bastock here to discuss all the ramifications of this for the Browns. But we got to start off with this. Mary Kay, on our Friday podcast, we predicted what would the Browns do as their big move. You said, Amari Cooper, did you know? Did you know? Did you know this was going to happen? And you were just like, oh, I think they should do Amari Cooper. Mary Kay, I feel like you had this 48 hours before it actually happened. Well, you know what? No, I did not know at that time that this was going to happen. But uh, as you could see, I think it was, was it later that day that I wrote a column uh, saying that I think that they should trade for or sign Amari Cooper. So as the day went on, it became more than just an sort of an educated guess. Okay. I wrote that column uh, because I started to have a pretty good feeling uh, that this could happen. Now, I didn't have it. It wasn't to the point where I could say they are right at the moment trying to trade for Amari Cooper. Uh, But I was able to write it in such a way that I think, you know, you may have been able to read between the lines and see that perhaps I was onto something. Uh, So, yeah, I I feel pretty good about the way that all went down. And um, and yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a great move. It's a it's a blockbuster signing. And now they've just got to get it right in the aftermath. I got to figure out how to do that. How do you do like the, I kind of know this might happen. So then I write the column. So then I look really smart. I never do that. Mary Kay all over it. Scott, what do you think here? We totally taken off the table that Andrew Barry read that and thought, you know what? That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It would be the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So Amari Cooper is here. There are a lot of, Comparisons to the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, which happened exactly three years ago on March 12th. The news came out on March 12th, 2019, became official on the 13th. But we're three years removed from that. Odell Beckham Jr. was had been in the league five years and was 26 years old when he became a Cleveland Brown. Amari Cooper has been in the league six years and is 27 years old as he becomes a Cleveland Brown. They are kind of different styles of receivers. I do want to get into those comparisons a little bit off the top. The price tag here is almost irrelevant, which immediately makes it different than the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Just to get the specifics of this, Mary Kay, the Browns basically made this deal. The Cowboys had announced they were going to dump him. So the Browns, made this deal so they were in control of the situation, right? Rather than Amari getting to free agency, and then he would be in control of things. So the price is a fifth rounder. It's basically nothing compared to Jabril Peppers and a first rounder for Odell. But why is this a trade? Why didn't it play out a different way? Well, they couldn't wait because the Miami Dolphins would have snatched him up on the open market. There were other teams that were interested. They could absolutely not do that, especially because he is from Miami. And I think he really would have wanted to play there. And there were probably were other teams that would have uh, made a very compelling case. And, uh, and, and who knows what happens on the open market? You start, uh, you know, you get into a bidding war and all those kinds of things. And also the Browns would have had to, uh, you know, deal with with the whole Baker Mayfield issue and try to sell him on the notion that Baker's going to be better and this passing game is going to be up to 2022 standards and all those kinds of things. A trade eliminates all of that. They got out in front of it. They were aggressive, but again, now they need to follow up and make everything right. Okay. So it's a fifth round pick, whatever. I mean, they just, it right. just made sure that they got him. It's $20 million for this year. And we can get into a little more of the contract stuff on cap hit. That's the sixth biggest cap hit for a receiver in the 2022 season. So that is the real capital that you're expending here, right? You're expending $20 million. Ashley, is he worth, is Amari Cooper worth $20 million to the Browns? I think so. And, you know, Doug, when when I read your column, for example, like the one thing, and I know we'll get into the differences between him and Odell, but like the thing that 
I like about him in this situation and people are like, oh, you know, Adele wasn't happy to be traded here. This is a guy who's been traded before in the middle of a season, as a matter of fact. So I think like you pointed out, you know, he knows it's just a business. And I think looking at the thought he's had like five 1000 yard seasons, he's done that three times in the last four years. He's so good at being a deep threat, which I know Scott wrote about. So I just think he solves a lot of their problems. He solves their biggest problems with that receiver room. So like you're saying, you don't have to give up, you know, that, that first round draft pick or that second round, third round draft pick to get him. Um, but you are expending your, what you are giving up is that cap space and that sort of leverage. So um, I think overall, what we have seen from him so far, it's a, it's a great pickup and that is worth it to me. Do you have any questions about it being quote worth it, Scott, for the Browns to do this for the fifth round pick and the 20 million? No, it was totally worth it. And this was the way to do it. And like we've talked so much on the podcast, how do you get a big name wide receiver to come here in free agency when you have a quarterback issue, no matter how you want to label that issue, injury or, or, or production consistency, all that kind of stuff plays into it. And an offense that, as we've said, isn't really built around throwing a ton of passes to wide receivers. Well, you go and you trade for that guy and he doesn't really have a say in it. Here's your new team, Amari. Get used to it. It's not maybe what you're used to. You know, it's not the Raiders. I mean, when we went from the Raiders to the Cowboys, it was basically the same thing. They ran the same kind of style of offense. They had three receivers on the field a ton. Um, now it's it's like it's a different world, and uh, it could work out great for him. He will obviously be one of the receivers who's on the field the most, uh, and he's going to see a ton of targets. He likely will get a hundred targets with the Browns, but he's not going to be in that, uh, the same kind of offense. They're going to ask him to be probably more efficient than he's been in the past. And again, that could work out just from, from, from the way they use him in the offense. And you have, you're looking at a different defense set up, you know, when you got two and three tight ends on the field, as opposed to when you have three wide receivers. So that could all work out, but I think um, getting him this way and giving up that mid round pick, Yes, worth it, even with that price tag, because there's no guaranteed money left. And if things don't work out, you know, they're not they're not eating up a lot of that. They're not eating up any of that contract in a trade or or, or cutting him at some point. Um, and you still have the option with him being on a contract for a few years now of, of flipping him for something else again, if if it isn't the right fit. And as we've talked before, there are some things with the Browns contracts this year for this year. For instance, Miles Garrett is still a low contract number in 2022 that's going to jump in 2023 amari cooper he's 20 million this year but mary Kay, they can get off him for no dead cap after one year right like if they wanted to say this doesn't work then it's a one-year thing and he's probably gone and there's no effect there's no nothing lost really but if it works out then you can you know this guy signed a five-year hundred million dollar deal with the cowboys if you like it you can keep running it back if you don't like it you're not committed in trying to figure out how do we get rid of this guy's contract, right? Yes, uh, that that's the beautiful thing about this. And uh, if they if both sides decide that they want to turn this into something different sooner than later, maybe even you know early next season or whatever the case may be, depending on what's going on around him, uh, they could al- always renegotiate the deal. Uh, extend him, get some guaranteed money in there. Those guys like their guaranteed money. Now this will fully guarantee this year will fully guarantee on March 20th. Uh, So he'll have that. But if they want to turn this into a longer term thing, uh, they will have the option of doing that, you know, maybe at some point uh, during the season next year. So I want to get some context before we get into some more Brown specifics, just about how good Amari Cooper is. Again, someone referenced how many times he's been in the pro Bowl. He has more than 7,000 yards receiving in his seven years. I did a quick shorthand of how many NFL receivers would I definitely take ahead of Amari Cooper, like for sure. Like if you said, hey, Browns, take anybody. So you're going through Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuels and guys like that. I got 10 for sure. And then I got to like, well... You know, then I think Amari Cooper at his best is as good as anybody in the next group. Is he the 11th best receiver in the NFL? I don't know, but he's probably between the 11th and the 20th best receiver in the NFL. Last year was his worst year, 
probably, but the year before, I think he was 12th in the league in receiving yards for receivers. Like, does anybody disagree with that or kind of have a view of when we think about Amari Cooper? Okay. Right. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not the best of the best of the best. But I do think he feels like he's a legit number one receiver, is he not? Yeah, he is a legit number one receiver. The whole thing that I keep coming back to, and we are going to have to spend a little time on this, is the quarterback piece. I mean, you have to have somebody really good uh, getting you the football. He has played with Derek Carr, and he has played uh, with Dak Prescott. Those are really, really good quarterbacks. Now, the one year uh, that he did have 92 catches and 1,114 yards, which was uh, 11th and 14th respectively in 2020, uh, he did not have Dak Prescott most of that year. So, you know, when I looked at that, I, I thought, okay, uh, he's so good uh, that he can pretty much excel almost with anyone in the right scheme and given enough opportunities. But it's going to be a lot easier on him and the Cleveland Browns if he has uh, an elite quarterback or elite level quarterback play coming on the other end. So they have to continue to push the envelope in that regard. Look, healthy Baker Mayfield is good at throwing deep passes. So if the Browns get healthy Baker Mayfield in this offense again in 2022, I think that's great. Uh, Mari Cooper really excels at catching passes deep downfield. Um, so I think that that makes him extra valuable to this team because they haven't had anybody. Well, they didn't have anybody last season and then for really the second half of, uh, of the season before that was consistently doing that. Um, they really spread it around in 2020. DPJ kind of took some of that role on, but um, clearly Amari Cooper is a, a better option there and trying to get deep and spreading the defense. So um, yeah, Amari Cooper is good. Now, I, like I said before, he's like, he's not the most efficient guy. Like if you're looking at deeper analytics and you know, the Browns are looking at everything when they make a move like this, he hasn't been the guy who's been rated high in like EPA per target or, or DVOA, things like that. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be productive. He's really fueled his performance in his career on volume. You know, he sees a lot of targets, catches a lot of passes. Can he do, can he do more with less here? That's, that's the question we'll find out. In that way, he's a little bit like Jarvis Landry was coming to the Browns and he, or Jarvis Landry was a volume receiver in Miami but there's a lot of differences. Uh, Amari Cooper, I was looking on PFF, Scott, seems he's outside about 75% of the time and the slot about 25% of the time historically. So he has some options there. But you look at like his combine numbers, and that doesn't matter that much now for a guy who's been in the league this long, but just as a comparison, you know, his explosive numbers, his shuttle times, his 40-yard dash, all much better than a guy like Jarvis, right? Just when we're trying to get maybe an athletic baseline, 6'1", 205, Pretty good size. You know, for instance, we'll talk about Garrett Wilson a little bit later. It's like 25 pounds heavier, 20 pounds heavier than a guy like Garrett Wilson, right? So he's like a, he's not gigantic, but he's like a thick, quick dude who I think can handle all the aspects of being a number one target, which is, yeah, like that's what they need. So we'll take a quick break here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I want to talk about Jarvis Landry. I want to talk about Garrett Wilson. And we got to talk about Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield figuring out how to use Amari Cooper next after this. Man, I hope you're Browns insider. Oh, whew. if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I'm so excited. You're missing, you're missing stuff on the site, man. Everybody on the, we're all writing. We're all texting. I'm not texting. Everybody else is texting. We're bringing you everything as quickly and smartly and efficiently as we can. Our EPA, Scott's pretty hot. I think our EPA is high. We're volume podcasters and writers, but I think we also have good efficiency. So we invite you to be a Browns insider. Go over to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. We told you it's going to be big. Like this is it. I thought maybe it would start like Monday. It's Saturday and it's happening. Let's talk about Jarvis Landry. Mary Kay, what are you reporting about Jarvis Landry? What does Amari Cooper mean for Jarvis Landry? Well, shortly after news of this trade broke, Uh, Jarvis Landry's reps asked the Browns if he could seek a trade and they granted him that. So, you know, right now he's trying to find out 
is there anybody that would be willing to take on his uh, his salary, not necessarily his cap hit for next year, because the Browns have to assume a little bit of that, um, but his salary of about $15.1 million. Uh, so, you know, he needs to see if anybody will do that. Now, at the age of... Um, at the age of turning 30 in November and heading into the final year of his contract, you know, it might be hard to find somebody that will be willing to do that, but he might be able to find a situation. It doesn't always have to be dollar for dollar. There are things that you can do if you find a team that is willing to take on a player like Jarvis. Uh, but I will also say this, and I've been saying this all along, the Browns would like to have him back. They would still like to have Jarvis back. They like everything about him. And if they believe that they they really are going to run it back with Baker Mayfield. He's good for Baker. We've talked about that. So if he doesn't find what he's looking for, then he will come back and talk to the Browns again about a restructure. And they will see if they can reduce that cap hit to a more reasonable number and bring him on as as one of their key receivers for next year. And then you you know then you pair that with uh, one of the rookies that they will probably draft. I'm sure they will still do that. Uh, and you're going to have a pretty, you would have a pretty darn good receiving core in 2022. And just as a heads up, Scott, if Rashard Higgins doesn't find what he's looking for out in the world too, he'll come back and maybe say, Hey, can we work something? If you, if you just, love something, set it free. Just and, as a heads you know. up. So, so Mary Kay, we, we've talked about the Jarvis situation on the pot on Friday, Ashley, now that Amari Cooper is here. Does your view of Jarvis and the Browns change in any way? Does it feel like I know on Friday you were a little bit like, well, I just don't yeah. know that I see it. Do you really not see it now that Amari Cooper's here or the way that Mary Kay is reporting it? Do you think to yourself, ah, oh, it could work out? The way Mary Kay is reporting it, I'm honestly more like I think I'm going a little more in the other direction because I'm like, we've talked when we've talked about Jarvis recently, right? Like we've kind of said, like, no one's probably gonna pay that amount for him, right? Not at this age, not coming off the injuries. So I do think if they, knowing what he said, that he still would be open to playing here and knowing how the Browns feel about him, especially from that, that leadership standpoint and what he's done for this organization, if they can agree on a number, great. But there's still that part of me that's like, is he going to be willing to go maybe as low as the Browns are going to need to go now when you bring in Amari Cooper and take like something, you know, when it comes to the the money. Is he going to be willing to do that to stay here? Or is he going to kind of follow the money somewhere else and maybe a slightly better situation where maybe he can look at more volume or, or a similar kind of role that he played here over the last few years? So I think it's still up in the air, but I may be going a little in the other direction now. What do you think, Scott? Does, your, does the Cooper thing affect much of your view of Jarvis? Has it changed anything? Well, finding out that they asked to seek a trade certainly um, makes me think that that's more of a possibility. Uh, again, I, I agree with Ashley. You're, you're looking for a team that's willing to take on that contract. The good thing is it's a similar situation to what the Browns are getting into with Amari Cooper. And that, um, if you did take on that money and didn't work out, you would really wouldn't be tied to him at all, um, beyond the season. So from that standpoint, maybe that could be attractive to somebody, but if you, if you do, if you do lose Jarvis Landry, I'm not sure right now what your what your answer is like if you want somebody who's specifically a slot receiver like you said cooper has shuffled around there um a little bit but i mean outside of Demetric felton you don't really have that guy right now um on the roster so perhaps that's that influences who they draft perhaps that's another move in free agency um but that does kind of open up a an issue there you have to address. So let's go there. Let's talk about how we think Cooper affects or doesn't affect what the Browns will do in the draft. Cooper and Garrett Wilson, I think are a little bit similar. Again, Cooper's a little bit bigger and thicker. You look at their combine numbers. Wilson ran a little bit faster. Cooper was a little bit better in the agility drills. Wilson was a little better in the jumps and the explosion kind of stuff, which I think fits kind of with the kind of players they are. So part of me, and by, by the way, my final answer on this is, I don't know, just to tease that. I don't know. Part of me thinks, well, they're kind of a little bit the same. So does, would that lead if the Browns do go with the receiver early? 
Would that lead them more toward Drake London, who's 6'4"? Would it lead them more towards Traylon Burks, who's 225 as a slot guy? Would it lead them away from Garrett Wilson? Because I there might be a little overlap there. On the other hand, Cooper and Wilson could both play outside, outside and both play in the slot. And frankly, if you like want to bring in Garrett Wilson and develop him as a long-term Browns receiver, say like, hey, see Amari Cooper here? He's been around. He's been to a bunch of Pro Bowls. Do a lot of what he does. Follow him around. Do that. That actually kind of makes sense to me, too. Like, we like both these guys. Yeah, they're kind of similar. Not exactly alike, but we're going to put them both on the field. You don't know who's going to be in the slot and who's going to be outside from play to play. Or does this mean they're taking an edge in the first round and they're going to take George Pickens or Christian Watson or David Bell somebody like that in the second round. Mary Kay, your initial instinct. Again, my official answer is I have no idea. I'm just laying out the scenarios. What's your initial instinct, Mary Kay, on what this means for their draft needs and thoughts? Well, in our uh, newsletter the other day to our our subscribers, uh, I laid out a receiving core scenario that I thought would be great. This was, uh, I don't know, three or four days ago. Uh, I said, sign or acquire Amari Cooper restructure Jarvis Landry and draft Garrett Wilson. Uh, I got to subscribe to this newsletter. I got to <laughs> subscribe to this. I'm not, I, I, I tell people blue banner on the top of the page. Are you kidding me? You wrote that four <laughs> days ago. And I'm on a podcast being like, I don't know what to think. You told me what to think four days ago. Seriously. How are you not a Browns insider? Continue. Mary Kay. <laughs> so anyways, you know, I think that I still think that would be really cool. I'm not worried about overlap whatsoever. You can have two different kinds of receivers. And as I have stated, two similar kinds of receivers, as, as I have stated numerous times, they use their tight ends so much in the passing game. And those are their big guys. You know, those are their big jump up, go get it in the red zone kind of guys. Uh, and that can muscle over a, a smaller DB. So I'm not too worried about, you know, different, you know, similar kinds of receivers. I still think it would be amazing to have those three guys. However, I do think that, um, that this opens up possibilities for number 13. And we can get into this more, but just very briefly, it means you could go for one of those amazing defensive ends that are out there. Uh, it means, means that you can use that first round pick to draft up to trade for a veteran quarterback, or it also means that you could in the off chance that Malik Wilson, that Malik Willis drops to you at number 13, you could take that chance too. So there's all kinds of things now that can happen. And there's so many good receivers in this draft. You're not pressured to take one at number 13. Now you can go for a George Pickens or a, you know, a Sky Moore or one of those other receivers somewhere else in the draft. And, and you know, in terms of, just targeting someone who can play in the slot a lot. I think the Browns are a team that maybe don't need to address that as specifically as some others might, because Hooper and Njoku were third and fourth on this team in slot snaps. They both had over a hundred. Landry obviously was first. Anybody want to guess who was second in slot snaps last OB- season? OBJ. Richard Higgins. Oh. I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. Be but yeah, your tight ends are, are in that position a lot, and they really use them to create mismatches. When they go 13 personnel, they, they often use that, turn that into an empty backfield situation. Again, spreading everybody out, looking for the mismatches. So finding the guy who's the prototypical Jarvis Landry slot receiver, Miami Dolphins era, um, might not be as big of a deal to the Browns. Ashley, both you and I, had the Browns taking Garrett Wilson in our mock drafts last week at number 13. I'm not sure if I'm going to still have that next week. Are you sure? What do you think you will do? I am not sure, but actually, I mean, I'm writing a story, you know, for sooner than when our mock drafts go up about the, the thing that I like the most about this is it gives them flexibility. And Mary Kay kind of outlined all the major possibilities there, right? So I just think they really have a best case scenario of flexibility that they did not have 24 hours ago because their biggest need is now essentially one of their biggest needs is met. So if Garrett Wilson falls to you and you really like him, I I'm with Mary Kay. I don't think that is too much overlap. And when we've talked about Garrett Wilson on here, even we've talked about 
the one of his biggest strengths is his versatility in terms of how he gets open, where he gets open on the field, things like that. I don't think you can ever have enough of that. Um, if he doesn't fall to you and you still want to take another receiver, great. If you want to get in the mix for Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson, I think those were the two you had in your mock draft, Doug, as, as possibilities. Fantastic. Go that route. Beef up that defensive line. Uh, if Malik Willis falls to, you, falls to you and you've fallen in love with him, great. Like you have all of these options now. Uh, but to answer your question, I don't know if I'm still going to keep Garrett Wilson there. I'm going to ruminate on it for a few days, but I do think it's still like, it's not out of the question. Oh, this is no possibility anymore. It's too much of the same thing because I really don't think it is. Free agency for need draft for talent. Like this is kind of how it works. And you just filled a hole. You just filled a hole with this. We just heard Andrew Barry talk at the combine about, you know, they look at, they try to look at every off season, like they're building an expansion team. So this is like the perfect scenario to put that into practice. Right? No, I think it does. I think it, it, and maybe it's just us, but we matter listeners. You matter. And it eases it for us. I still want Garrett Wilson to be a Brown. I'm a little less jacked up about it. Right. I'm feeling, ah, Hey, they got Amari Cooper. I'm chill. I'm just going to like, Hey man, April 28th, everybody have a good time. Have a party with your friends. They can't go wrong. Whatever happens, happens. So when you get a number one receiver again, and this makes me want to do, have we done this off season? We like doing the drafts. Don't we? We did a GM draft. We did a quarterback draft. We did a coach draft. I don't think we've done a receiver draft. This offseason, is that correct? No. This moves near the top of the list of a soon-to-be-draft podcast on a Friday on the Orange and Brown Talk pod. Where does Amari Cooper really fit? Because all of a sudden, yeah, it's not as exciting when it's like, and the Browns' first receiver comes in at number 41, Jarvis Landry, congratulations. Right? I mean, like, Amari Cooper is going to be up there. I'm curious. I want to find out where we think this guy ranks. But it changes how I think a lot of fans, you guys listen, I think it changes how – you feel about this passing game and we will got to talk about Stefanski Baker OBJ and other quarterback options, but I want to talk about Andrew Barry before we do that, Scott, we all thought, Hey, what's the thing? Hey, it's receiver. You got to do receiver. Hey, we think that, what do we know? Got to reshape the passing. Andrew Barry thought it too. Andrew Barry went out. Godwin gone. Devontae Adams gone. Mike Williams gone. Calvin Ridley suspended. Who's the best guy out there? Amari Cooper. What does Andrew Barry do? He aggressively goes out and get goes out to get him. He thought the receiver room needed to be reshaped just as much as we did, right? Isn't this the proof? Yeah, I would think so. Um, and I think it's you know we talked about the draft with a marriage of opportunity and and availability, and I think that's what happened here too. Uh, getting Cooper before free agency begins was just before he was you know released is just huge, and I don't think we can really point to a move yet that Andrew Barry made where we just came out of it like, nah, that really wasn't like, what does he do? And it just seems to do the obvious thing that everybody's thinking. And then he does like the best possible version of it, you know? Um, now that player might not turn out to be a pro bowler or might not, uh, they might not perform as well two years down the road. Look at it. You Austin Hooper, but, um, but when it happens, yeah, it, it, it's definitely the obvious move, the biggest move, and he seems to have a knack for doing that. Third straight year that, that he went out and aggressively got the guy that he wanted. And it really, you know, it almost kind of, you know, this is their blockbuster uh, move of the week, although I think there's probably another one or two coming. But, you know, this is sort of the, uh, the marquee move, and, and he went out and he did what he had to do. He got his man. You can say that about him for now the third straight year. And I, I think it's a great job. Hey, uh, Mary Kay. Yes. You know how you said there, you think they're going to do another move or two. Yeah. Can you just tell us what they are now? <laughs> well, if you want to get rolling on that, I mean, I think I, I, I don't want to bury the lead in this podcast, but they, uh, I wrote yesterday, as I wrote yesterday, they have done their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that they're going to trade for trade for Deshaun Watson, but the more I talk to people, the more I hear things they are still kind of kicking the tires on some quarterbacks. They're still looking around a little bit. They are still sort of in the hunt. Does that mean they think they're going to get somebody? I, I don't know if they feel like it's a realistic possibility or not, but it seems like they are still looking around a little bit. 
So I don't know if they have something up their sleeve. Again, I know they did their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. How do they feel about him right now? Does this move increase the likelihood that Deshaun Watson will waive that no trade clause and decide he wants to come to Cleveland? Will Jarvis Landry find out that maybe Deshaun Watson is coming to Cleveland and decide that he wants to come back? Uh, So, you know, I just think that uh, these are things that we need to be aware of. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that they think that they're going to go out and acquire an Amari Cooper and, and just pair him with Baker Mayfield and everything's going to be fine. I think they're still trying to figure out if that's the right way to go or if they need to upgrade. That's like a soap opera tease. That's what I was thinking, Doug. No joke. That was going through my mind, too. <laughs> Will and- Kevin Stefanski finally go to receivers? <laughs> Will Andrew? It's like, I'm like, I want to watch this show. What is this Mary Kay show that she's talking about? Let's get the season here. And, and, and Derek Carr is another, another guy that I've mentioned many, many times. He's not wrapped up yet uh, by the Raiders. Now, Josh McDaniels is not going to want to trade him to the Cleveland Browns. They snubbed him for the head coaching job here in 2020. He's not going to want to do them any favors. but. He has been on their radar. Uh, Derek Carr has. He's not under contract yet for that blockbuster extension. Teams are still looking at him. I wrote the other day that the Colts will make a big push for him. So, you know, I keep having him like somewhere way back in the back of my mind. Don't think it could actually happen. But again, right now, I'm not ruling anything out. And Amari Cooper's quarterback in high school, Teddy Bridgewater. Still out there. There Mm -hmm. We'll be back. More to talk about on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug, Ashley, Scott, Mary Kay, before we get to the OBJ part of this, I wrote that I have questions about Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield and their ability to maximize Amari Cooper, because I think that, you know, there are some similarities here between the arrival of Cooper and the arrival of OBJ. And I just think in the end, when you look, there's a lot of blame to go around, but certainly the quarterback and the play caller have some culpability for how the last two years of that went mary Kay, you've kind of made your your point on this ashley and scott start with you ashley just the idea of like okay they're they're fixing up the receiver room and they're gonna draft somebody else and they still might bring back jarvis and boy this receiver room improved and they're giving it to a quarterback who wasn't that good that last year and a coach who likes to throw to the tight end but improving the receiver room is enough uh, do you have like full faith in the browns passing game just with a fixed receiver room, or do you have questions about Stefanski and Mayfield, even if the receivers are much better? I do still have those questions. And especially I started thinking about Doug, after I read your column, when we heard from Kevin Stefanski at the combine this, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, he, I think you were the one who specifically asked him like, how much flexibility do you guys have in terms of how much you use per 13 personnel? Like if you have restructure the receiver room, are you willing to, kind of evolve. And the quote from Kevin Stefanski, like he said, I think that's our job that you better be ready to evolve, uh, but that they are not tied to one specific personnel. Now, obviously we know that the Browns use 13 personnel more than any other team in the NFL, a lot more than any other team in the NFL, but this is a chance to prove that they, that he can do that evolving in terms of this offense, in terms of his play calling. And, you know, obviously it's a question because like you have to see him do it, but he at least said something tangible, I thought, at the combine when we asked him about that. So that's something. Um, And then in terms of Baker Mayfield, I know when we've talked about bringing Jarvis back, for example, like his chemistry with Baker could go a long way. I think when you look at Amari Cooper, his ability, especially to get open deep, maybe as Baker's working his way back from a shoulder injury, that could help things. But obviously we know Baker Mayfield had issues with that this year, right? Like we've talked about his processing issues. We've talked about the way he was telegraphing certain passes, especially towards the end of the season in that Steelers game where there were like five batted passes that he threw in that game. So I think I have more questions about Baker Mayfield, but from so far from what we've heard from Kevin Stefanski about this, I do have some faith that maybe if this room looks drastically different, that the play calling might look different too. I guess I have, I have faith that there's potential there because we've seen Baker have success when healthy in this offense. And we haven't seen Amari Cooper in this offense. We haven't seen him with Baker yet. So there's still, you know, the possibilities and potential still out there. Um, so from that respect, I think I'm, 
I would be optimistic about the possibilities, but I don't expect them to change the offense a ton. Um, I expect them to have at least two tight ends on the field for almost half their plays. But again, that doesn't, you know, obviously Cooper is going to be one of the receivers on the field. Uh, when they go to 13 personnel, he's probably going to be the dude lined up out wide along with, you know, the tight end. So he's going to get his opportunities. I, I, I don't even, I think I said this early on when we were talking about Baker and all the possibilities of what the Browns might do. I, I'm all for seeing what healthy Baker Mayfield looks like. We've seen a good year with him healthy. We've seen a bad year with him not healthy. This is the third year. Let's see which way the scales tip. I do think it's fair. Like this, this to me is a test of them, right? That, that if there was, you know, when, when OBJ left, it was like, well, whose fault was this? And whose fault was that? And did he run the riots he was supposed to run? And did they, was Sofansky calling it? And Baker didn't throw it or whatever. You know, Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper. I, I, you know, if Amari Cooper comes here and is not productive, it's not Amari Cooper's fault. Like the, Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper. He's been kind of that guy with the Raiders and he's been that guy with the Cowboys. Again, he's coming off a slightly less productive season right now, but that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And I'll get to that with the OBJ point. But Mary Kay, I do, I am curious. In a world where Andrew Barry was this aggressive getting a receiver, is it, is it an indication of his a level of aggression with the passing game, right? That, mm-hmm. that I take it a little bit like that, that, hey, that, man, he didn't mess around going to get the best receiver available. I'm not a thousand percent sure he's just going to stay status quo at quarterback. It feels like this guy is maybe ready to be as aggressive with quarterback if the opportunity presents itself as he was at receiver. Is that is that how you're reading it or no? You've kind of said that maybe you might be reading it that way too. Yeah. You know what? I think they are fully prepared and fully expect Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback in 2022, just like they said, because there haven't been uh, many opportunities or many choices. Uh, but I think they will aggressively try to upgrade the position. I just feel like uh, they are looking at this globally in terms of their passing game. Uh, and they wrapped up Dave Njoku tight end I think they've got a couple more moves up their sleeve at receiver whether they're going with a Garrett Wilson or whoever um I like I said I I think that they're going to keep pushing it in terms of the receiving core and I think they're going to try uh to see what they can do at quarterback and they probably don't feel like they can actually pull anything off that's better than what they have so I still think if you ask me right now who's going to be the quarterback on opening day, I, I would still say Baker Mayfield, but I, I know they're looking, I know they're trying from, from everything I, I hear and from what people tell me. So, you know, I mean, and why wouldn't you, I mean, why wouldn't you, it wouldn't make sense not to at this point, it just would not make sense. I mean, coming off of his worst career season, going into the final year of his contract, if there's anything out there that you could try to do, you're going to try to do it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if they have some move up their sleeve. I, I really, I, I can't say for sure. One thing I do know, and I have said that I don't think it would be Jimmy Garoppolo, one guy you actually could potentially get your hands on. Don't think it's going to be him. Don't really think it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. Probably going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, but they're they're going to need to, to showcase Amari Cooper. They're going to have to treat him like royalty. I've been saying they can't let him get Beckhamed cannot happen that absolutely can't happen i think they will change up their scheme you know i mean if 13 person a bunch of 13 personnel didn't work for you in 2021 why would you do that again right i mean i I just i see them evolving uh schematically i really do and they're going to put the best guys on the field and i think they're they're going to add two other good receivers even if one of those guys is jarvis landry um they're going to have two other really good guys to go with amari cooper that they don't have necessarily figured out yet and if you end up with three good receivers you're going to use them you're going to use them and you're going to bring your play calling up and your scheme up to where it needs to be to showcase those guys and they're not done yet they know that they needed to to go big or go home with the passing game and they're not done yet I do think the Cooper move was certainly made easier by the fact that the Cowboys said we're getting rid of it it's a little bit like the Matthew Stafford move with the Rams that 
it was like, wow, the Rams were bold with that trade. Well, the Lions said, like, Matthew Stafford's available. Like, come get him. The Cowboys said, come get Amari Cooper. Now, there's nobody else saying that with a quarterback that the Browns would be like, oh, now, unless it's Deshaun Watson, which I honestly, I don't think we can do Deshaun Watson on this podcast. We've mentioned him. We'll monitor it. Mary Kay is going to be all over that. So get the text, read the stories, go to cleveland.com. We will continue to talk about Deshaun Watson as we need to, but let's stay on Amari Cooper here. And I do think Scott, the idea that he was not quite used as heavily in Dallas as Odell Beckham Jr. was in New York makes me feel a little bit better about this situation. Odell's last season in New York, he averaged 10.3 targets per game. Amari Cooper last year averaged 6.9 targets in Dallas. Odell averaged 6.4 catches. Amari averaged 4.5. Odell averaged 88 yards per game. Amari averaged 58 yards per game. Even at his peak in Dallas, and Amari was above some of those numbers the year before, his peak was never the Beckham usage. I think Amari Cooper was 36th in the league in targets last year. You can't have a guy. Cooper Cup got like 200 targets this year, whatever it is. He can't come play in this offense. He'll be driven crazy. Amari Cooper, I think his expectation level of usage is slightly lower than Beckham's. That makes me feel better. Now, that's why I'm all in on draft a receiver and develop him. Again, I'm still going to write that 28 of the teams, their number one receiver is a draft and develop guy. You get the, he learns the NFL through you. So he doesn't have any outside expectations. Mario Cooper has been with two other teams. He has plenty to compare to. But Scott, that does make me feel better about this. Do you think Amari Cooper is going to like be like, hey, man, man, you guys throw a lot to the tight ends. I don't know about this place. Or do you think it'll be okay? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't tracked his mental state of mind over his years in Dallas, so I'm not sure. But I do, I guess the way you explained it there is one way of looking at it, The like that he doesn't have those expectations that OBJ might, or you could say, you know what? He maybe wasn't crazy about CD lamb kind of taking over the reins in Dallas. And he believes that he is a true number one and should be getting those kinds of targets. Um, You know, we don't really know for sure because he didn't hit free agency and the Browns didn't have to deal with that. They just went and made a trade for him. So I guess it could go, Either way, <laughs> on his mental state of mind, but look, one uh, over the last three years, one guy has gotten over 100 targets in Kevin Stefanski's offense, and that was Jarvis Landry two years ago, 101 targets. Stephon Diggs didn't do it. Nobody did it. Nobody came close last year. So we'll see. Again, I think if he's the only guy out there, if he's getting the majority of looks, perhaps that's enough. Perhaps it isn't so much the amount of targets; it's the percentage. It's knowing that. You are a huge part of this offense and they are taking advantage of you being out there. I I don't think Odell felt like he was a huge part of this offense or being taken advantage of uh, when he was running his route. So that's really what it'll come down to that. And, you know, the bottom line to everything winning. I I definitely got a little bit of a reaction, just a little bit on Twitter of like, uh, because I said like, will Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield be able to take advantage of him? People were like, well, they'll just throw him the ball. And I was like, yeah, doesn't it sound easy? It does. It sounds so simple, but I do think it's not only Baker Mayfield. And I know Kevin Stefanski wants to win, but Stefan Diggs in Minnesota in 2018, the year before Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, he had 149 targets. The year Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, Adam Thielen was hurt. So you thought Stefan Diggs' targets should go up. Instead, they went from 149 to 94. Now, he actually had more receiving yards and his yards per catch went way up but he had 50 fewer targets. And then when he got traded to Buffalo, he went from 94 to 166 in Buffalo. So people are like, oh, I think Kevin Stefanski knows how to use receivers. And I'm like, does he? Does he? He just just wants them to do more with less. That's basically what it comes down to. I want to do more with more. (laughs) You know what? I got to say, I, I have to get this out. Amari Cooper is going to want as many targets as he possibly can get. He is not going to be satisfied with a small number of targets. He averaged 117 targets or has averaged that over his career when he didn't get as many targets last year. And in those last eight games of the season, he only averaged like 46.3 yards a game. And he wasn't, you know, it just wasn't happening. He wasn't get. he wasn't hit. I mean, that was a down year last year. I think you need to throw last year 
right out the window because he was not happy. I have some quotes in my most recent Cooper Maine trade story uh, with him saying, yeah, I'm, you know, I was frustrated. I think I could have done more. I needed more targets in the red zone and all those things that we've heard Jarvis say, and we've heard Odell say, that's what receivers say. I mean, that's what top receivers say when they're not getting enough targets. No, he's not going to be happy with uh, fewer targets. He's going to require and want and need 120 some targets and probably going to want more than that. Kevin Stefanski, and I've said this many times, and I truly believe it. I don't think that what we've seen him do before informs what he's going to do going forward. He's a new offensive coordinator. He's only in his third season, coming off of his third season as a play caller, only his third season. Okay. He's still learning on the job. He's still figuring it out. When you're in the midst of a passing game overhaul, you're not going to do what you did before, especially because it's so broken. When it's that broken, you have to change it up. You have to be open to new things. You have to fix it. He's got many influences. He's got many resources. He's got, you know, guys like Norv Turner that, you know, ran the numbers scheme and different things. He's not just pigeonholed into a certain type of thing or a certain type of scheme. If you have a thoroughbred or you have a Ferrari, you know, you are going to drive it, ride it, do whatever it needs to happen. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be happy with a, a minimal amount of targets. I think he's going to want the ball early and often, and they are going to find a way to do it. Odell Beckham, 10.3 targets his last year in New York. First year in Cleveland, 8.9 targets per game. Second year in Cleveland, 6.1 targets per game. Last year in Cleveland, 5.7 targets per game. No wonder he was frustrated. Receiver frustration level, Ashley, is very high on my list of things that I think about with the Browns. So I am open to it. I do not automatically think that if Baker Mayfield is a quarterback and Kevin Stefanski is here calling plays, I do not automatically think it'll be fine. Like they, I think they have to work to do it. Am I too worried about receiver frustration? I think you just need to talk your feelings out, Doug. And I think this podcast <laughs> is maybe your best possible outlet to do that. But I don't think, I don't think this is an overblown concern, right? I mean, for the last, when did OBJ leave? Early November. So for the last few months, we have talked about how we didn't think it was going to be possible for them to get a high profile free agent wide receiver who was in control of their destiny to want to come here. We talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, that that's what's so great about this deal, that the Browns just jumped in before Amari Cooper had that chance, right? So I do think there is something to that. But I mean, I'll just go back to the previous point I made with with Kevin Stefanski in particular, at least right now, what he's saying is the correct thing to say, I think, and like what Mary Kay was saying, that he hasn't been doing this super long. And from everything we know about him in this front office, they're smart guys who seem, in theory, like they should be willing to adapt given what pieces they have around them. So I think it's something that's okay to be worried about, but not something to be hopeless over or like despondent about. Like, oh, we got this guy and they're not going to use him for sure. Because I don't think we know that, right? But it is a valid concern to have. So we have to get out of here. Mary Kay has to go. Just anybody who wants to stick around, I'm going to stay on by myself and talk about my feelings for 45 more minutes, but we'll wrap up the main part of the podcast here. Mary Kay, the difference of Amari Cooper hitting the open market and getting to decide where he wants to go versus being traded to the Cleveland Browns. How much massaging, how much red carpet welcome treatment, how much do the Browns have to work to get Amari Cooper feeling good about this move because it wasn't we're saying great move by Andrew Barry because Amari Cooper didn't have a choice so now Amari Cooper has to come here he doesn't have a choice do they have to do some work well you know the first thing that he's going to do is pick up the phone and call Odell Beckham Jr right I mean if he hasn't done that already he's on the phone with Odell He's on the phone with Jarvis. Now, maybe he'll have some influence. If the Browns really do want Jarvis back, maybe Amari gets on the phone with Jarvis and says, hey, let's get this thing done. Let, let's do this together. So, um, you know, so may, maybe that's, maybe there's something there. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have to sell him on the notion that if you're keeping Baker Mayfield and he really is going to be the quarterback, 
why is it going to be any better than it was last year? When how many times have the Browns told us, oh, he wasn't that injured. He wasn't that injured, right? Well, I mean, he better have been that injured or he better be, I don't know what he should be doing this offseason, but somehow, some way, he's got to be way better. Now, of course, he's going to be way better if you have Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, and Garrett Wilson to throw the ball to. I think that would make a huge difference. No question about it. Uh, but yes, they're going to have to talk to him about why it's going to be better, why he's going to get the targets, why the scheme is going to be better, why this is a good move for him, why Cleveland is a wonderful place to live, and um, and you know how much he's going to love the snow in in mid March. <laughs> so um, so yeah, they they have they have some selling to do. It's the right move, Andrew Barry trading for Amari Cooper was the right move. I think we all agree with that, right? I'm not speaking for anybody. We all agree with that? Yep. The Browns have some work to do to make it work, Mm -hmm. I think. Because I think we are past the point after the Odell parades. And again, coincidentally, it's exactly three years to the day since the Odell trade. People wanted to have parades in the streets those days. I don't know that people are having parades in the streets for Murray Cooper because I think we've all come to realize, hey, it's more than the receiver. The receiver gives you opportunity. Now they've got to make it worthwhile. They've got to make it work. Scott, they're still allowed to throw to tight ends. I don't want to act like I'm, they're not allowed to at all. But they ha- there's no point, right, Scott? We'll give you the last word on this. They have to use it, right? I mean, like it doesn't mean they have to fundamentally alter every aspect of their offense, but they have to use this guy or the $20 million a year is not worth it. Yeah, you avoid having a third big-time, big-name wide receiver, disgruntled, right, following in the footsteps of Stephon Diggs and OBJ, you don't want to be there again because then you start to have real serious questions about your coach, uh, and that's not a place the Browns want to be. So um, I guess what you'd hope is that they're not forcing it. There were a lot of times when it was clear that they were just forcing it to Beckham. Um, it's got to be more organic, I think, and you've got a whole offseason now to figure out how to do that. This is a fun Saturday. How about talking football like this in March? Thanks, Andrew Barry. We appreciate you guys making us part of your Browns experience. That was a, I thought it was a great podcast. Great insight from you guys. And this is going to be more like this all week. So this is our emergency Saturday pod. We'll catch you on Monday evening with the latest news and moves by the Browns for now. For Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.